Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, Senior Editor at Light Reading. And my name is Brett Sappington. I'm Vice President with Interpret, a market research and consulting firm, and I lead the video entertainment research practice. Perfect. Well, Brett, thanks for uh, joining the podcast. Glad to, to have you. I know we've talked a million times in the past, but we, this, will, this will be a first for us on this one. Absolutely. With so much going on in the space today, it's a, it's yeah. a great time to have a podcast. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to get into some of the uh, just generally, you know, some recent news around uh, streaming. You know, we're, we're going to touch on the, the Netflix earnings that just came out. You know, there's a bunch of activity kind of going on in the live sports arena in streaming and, and kind of direct to consumer uh, angles there. And then, um, you know, I think what we'll try to do, uh, I'll try to make some sense of it, or I'll ask you to try to make some sense of it in terms of, you know, what this means for the, like the broader, you know, video and uh, pay TV industries. So, uh, so anyway, I thought, you know, we could maybe start off with your thoughts and reactions, you know, kind of in the wake of the, the Netflix earnings, you know, since they're kind of the, uh, sure. the, the heavy, you know, kind of in the streaming market, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I was wondering if you thought there were any big surprises kind of outside of the fact that the, the sub losses weren't as bad as expected. You know, there was, I guess, about half of where they thought they were going to be. Sure. Um, I don't know if there were, uh, any big surprises. I thought there were some interesting revelations. I think there were a lot of new questions coming out of it. But um, the fact is, the in going through the earnings and listening to the call that accompanied it, really it was about subs, ads, sharing, and content with a few extras along the way. So those were some of the big areas that I looked at. Um, I think subs is what everyone mm-hmm. was paying attention to primarily. And when they exceeded expectations, everyone shifted quickly to look at all of the other areas, particularly right. ads. I think. Right. Yeah, because uh, that's the other thing I think we want to talk about is uh, they, they shed a little more light on what they're going to do with advertising. You know, we're still a well off before their the actual version of the product is going to come onto the market. You know, they have Microsoft in there. On the on the ad tech and selling platform side, um, they talked about multiple ad supported tiers. Um, mm-hmm. But now that we know a little, you know, maybe a smidge more, you know, about what they want to do, um, uh, you know, does that alter change your thinking on uh, whether Netflix can find some success with this sort of an option? Uh, you know, is cannibalizing the base, you know, a potential problem for them? Or, you know, is there going to be enough upside that uh, they can kind of expand the pie and and do what they're kind of setting out to do with this, uh, this notion of an ad-supported tier? Yeah, I think that there, there are a number of, of things about the ad-supported business that they're looking for that I thought was really interesting. I think that a lot of people immediately look to cannibalization and mm-hmm. how is that going to affect their subscription business. Uh, I I personally think that depends greatly on pricing. The pricing of the ad based tier I think is going to be a big part of of that to see how how that comes out because people people hate ads. A lot of people really hate ads, and so if it's a dollar or two between the ad service and the 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 service without ads, I think a lot of people are really going to just go and and do the 
non-ad version. I know many, many people that they already take Hulu with no commercials and they take mm -hmm. um, Paramount Plus and Discovery Plus and others. They already pay a premium for that. So I think a lot of people will still pay a premium for that. So I don't know how much, again, it'll really depend on how low that they go. I know that they talked about how they wanted to, uh, they, their executives talked about how they wanted to provide a number of price points for consumers to be able to get access and access was the big part of that. So I really, I, I, I'm with, I'm holding back my prediction on exactly how much it will affect it. But I, I think that unless they just really slash it to $2.99 or $3.99 or something like that, I think that right. it probably won't cannibalize it too much. Right. Cause I imagine they're going to want to manage that a little bit. I I would think that, uh, uh, you know, they wouldn't want to put it at a price point where they would scare off or, or make their uh, non ad subscribers make a big change, you know, cause it just feels like, you know, this, the desire anyway is to expand the pie, not to kind of disrupt, <laughs> you know, the, the existing pie. And, uh, you know, and, and as you kind of look at the uh, the other services, like you mentioned, like Paramount Plus and and Hulu, and you know, Peacock has some uh, some different options there on ad support. Um, I mean, do you think that you know th this time around, you know, it's going to be about Netflix being the uh, the fast follower, or, or you know, do you think that maybe they're going to kind of uh, think out of the box, you know, on on how an ad supported tier could work in the premium streaming? market yeah that's that's a really good question because uh, historically netflix has been as its best when it's pushing the rest of the industry when it's out in the lead of the rest of the industry so this is a bit of a different angle for them to be actually the potentially in the position to be a fast follower i think that they'll certainly take lessons from others in terms of how they do that but i think the fact that they selected microsoft uh, as their partner, um, seems to suggest that they're going to have a different route. In fact, one of the things that they talked about in in the call that followed with the the financials, where they talked about creating a new ad ecosystem and kind of doing it in a new way. They talked about privacy. They talked about how Microsoft is a partner. They thought it was Im important that Microsoft provided flexibility and innovation, just like they felt that Netflix was all about flexibility and innovation, or really innovation, Yeah, which I thought was fascinating because it the first thing it made me think was, oh, does that mean that Netflix, I mean, does that mean that Microsoft already has something that they're going to adapt? Does that mean that uh, for ad tech or... So do they have something existing that they're going to be using? Are they developing something unique that they don't yet have for Netflix? And then even if they do that, where are they drawing the line between who owns what ad tech as part of this? I'm assuming uh, where's the innovation happening and who's doing that innovation? So yeah. is Microsoft, where is it going to be Netflix with recommendations and data? And Microsoft with everything else. How how is that split in terms of who innovated, who's innovating on what thing? Where's that? How's that going to happen? Yeah, and I'm just kind of like, is can interactivity fit into this some way? Yeah, but when they're kind of saying, hey, we want to innovate on top of it, is it's uh, you know they're I guess being 
purposefully pretty vague, <laughs> you know, about what that means, probably for a couple of reasons. They probably, I imagine they're trying to figure out, hey, how do we, what does that mean? And then mm-hmm. number two, what's possible uh, for them to maybe pull off out of the shoot. And, you know, and the fact that they're like, well, you know, what we put together is going to be better than uh, kind of the traditional uh, TV ad experience, but you know, I, I, uh, you know, not, not a high bar in some ways, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you, you don't want to just, uh, uh, yeah, kind of run that play, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to kind of see where it goes, but yeah, I guess from it's, an app, yeah, from an advertiser. Well, it's interesting that, um, Microsoft is, I mean, Netflix is interesting in that it knows so much data about all of its viewers that the privacy thing it, it actually could potentially do that. It doesn't have to. It already collects so much data on viewing habits and that it doesn't really need to do some of the outside tracking that maybe other ad-supported services have to do. And so it could potentially anonymize all this, pass it back to Microsoft, uh, and be able to not collect any more data than it has right now. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they do with the data also. Um, Netflix they handle data maybe better than anyone else in the industry. They've always had a lead in kind of how they use consumer data. Their recommendation engine really kind of drove the industry. So if they can recommend shows, they can recommend ads. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that and kind of how unique perhaps the experience will be. Right. Well, I think on on the the one thing maybe uh, seems obvious is that – Advertisers, I think, would love to engage, you know, with the the Netflix audience. I mean, it's a it's a big audience. You know, well, depending on how many take the ad tier, you know, it won't be uh, my it'll be a subset of the whole thing. But uh, you know, I thought it was interesting some uh, data that just came out last week about Netflix and, uh, you know, the gauge study that came out from Nielsen, you know, it's pretty time timely. I thought, um, in terms of the, uh, how much streaming accounted when it came to, uh, TV viewing, I guess it was like more than a third, uh, about the same as cable. You know, uh, I think the streaming was like 33.7 cables, 35.1. Then broadcasting was down there like 22. Four and but if you looked at the individual services, you know Netflix was ahead of everybody else. Um, you know, like YouTube, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video, Disney Plus, HBO Max. Um, so if I'm Netflix and I, I see that number, I'm like, hey, this is good news for us. But um, you know, I suppose it's not surprising to see that, uh, you know, given that a lot of the best content is kind of being you know, stripped out of the premium uh, for these premium streaming services by some of the, uh, the top studios and so forth. But uh, when you kind of look at some of these numbers, um, you know, what does it mean for the traditional pay TV bundle? You know, it, it just seems like uh, it's like another dose of bad news for that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that some of our data around uh, viewing is even more stark than Nielsen. So we were, we've looked at TV and movie viewing for across all platforms, so not just the television. And what we see is that if you include all of the platforms together, you're really talking about half of time, half of viewing time of TV and movies being for being with streaming services, and uh, just over a, yeah. 
Yeah, right. and just over a quarter of time spent uh, watching cable and broadcast TV. That was from uh, surveys that we did with consumers over the past several years. And we really found that ongoing trend where now about half of time viewing TV and movies is spent on streaming services. And I think if you consider uh, mobile devices and computers and things, it's probably not surprising that it's that it's that high, but it is. And so that's a that's a really big change. And it also indicates that the shift isn't just today. This happened. This started years ago and it's just progressed to this to this point. I think that what does it mean for traditional pay TV? I think that for consumers, it's an ongoing trend that consumers keep the service they feel like is a must have service. So it's got a must have experience or it has must have content or something like that. But that's, that's why they keep what they keep. And so a question for pay TV is as long as pay TV offers a must have experience or must have content, then they'll stay in the game. And when they lose that edge, then they lose that game. And so that's been what we've, what we've seen. Well, and it feels like, uh, you know, just with the trends of the, the premium streaming services and, you know, the most popular content kind of being bundled into them to have the, you know, the, for the must haves to be part of the pay TV bundle. I mean, it, the, the bundle seems to have to change and, you know, the distributors have to continue to figure out ways to uh, be a part of that, you know, and, instead of a, uh, you know, like there's the pay TV silo that is becoming less and less valuable, you know, from a content perspective. And then, you know, everything on the premium streaming side where all the, the best stuff is going right now. Yeah. Um, if you look at cable networks, where are they putting their must have content? Are they putting their must have content on pay TV? To some degree they are, but in many cases they're, they're doing some of their, really interesting originals they're doing for their streaming service. So if you look at Paramount Plus, where are they putting all the new Star Treks? They're not putting it on on cable or they're not putting it in right broadcast. away. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not right. But and that's a really great point is that you can do the original on your premium streaming service. And at some point you syndicate it to yourself. You put it on your broadcast uh, broadcast networks, cable networks, other things like that. So they do have all these ways that they can do that. And I think that as we look to the future, uh, it's been interesting to see how if you look traditionally, the windowing structure for television uh, had been disrupted by streaming, but now it almost is coming back again. So you have, um, for example, with Disney Plus, they may have a transactional or a, a uh, theatrical release for a film or something. And then where does it go? Well, then it goes into their premium, maybe their subscription, maybe then after a while goes into their ad-based service. And who knows, maybe in the long term, whenever they have a long, long tail, maybe they pull things out of the archives and syndicate it or something like that. So it's almost like you're seeing the original television windowing kind of recreating itself in the streaming space. Right. And you talk about syndication and you wonder, is like, is that syndication world as we know it going to be uh, still exist <laughs> or is it going to be like a different form, you know, uh, because there's, uh, you know, maybe down the line, you're not going to have as many uh, uh, channels and networks out there that uh, would fit kind of that traditional syndication model. But uh, well, maybe, that's fast. 
Yeah. Maybe that's what fast becomes. Maybe mm-hmm. that's where you send yeah. you quote syndicate your your long tail yeah. into uh, fast channels. Kind of redefines, yeah, what that's about. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, when we're talking about uh, streaming services, I know we, we uh, a lot of the uh, the focus kind of tends to gravitate to entertainment, you know, like movies and TV series and so forth. But uh, you know, there's been a lot of activity around live sports and, and streaming and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, historically, you know, I think that and like maybe news, you know, have been kind of part of the glue that's been kept keeping the pay TV package, uh, together, but a lot of the, uh, the not some of the, the sports rights are starting to transition over to streaming services. It just feels like, uh, uh, it was like in, in uh, uh, kind of a trickle effect, in, but it seems to be kind of building, you know, that's like uh, every week or so there, there's some big deal, you know, kind of happening in that world. But, uh, you know, I, I do want, I'm going to ask you to weigh in on the, the NFL plus announcement here in a moment. Um, it's a little bit different, but what I, maybe we can start off is uh, with the other recent news that uh, about the NFL Sunday ticket package right and mm-hmm. the report about uh you know google maybe as getting into the mix along with apple uh, reportedly the front runner i guess we'll see and then uh, amazon but um you know sunday ticket seems to be like a perfect pairing with streaming right uh mm-hmm. if you can get through all the rights issues and so forth but um again you know if that package does go there and even though it had been it's been uh exclusive to direct tv for ever uh mm-hmm. you know for the pay tv side again it's like well what is that going to mean i mean it's uh uh something else you may not have and it could be a must-have for a certain number of uh consumers you know the sports fans yeah absolutely i think that um the Everything around NFL Sunday ticket really is speaking to the larger trend that you mentioned, which is the shift of sports into streaming. In fact, it's something we've already seen in Europe. If you look in Europe, um, streaming service DAZN, D-A-Z-N, DAZN, they already bought in Europe. They bought domestic rights to in Spain to La Liga. That's their premium. That's their their NFL, their, that soccer league is the top sport there. And they did the same thing in Germany with the Bundesliga. And so that the idea that a streaming service would come in and, and buy top domestic rights to the biggest sporting league in, in a country, that seemed crazy at one point. But now we're really talking about that. We're talking about NFL rights being bought by streaming services. Um, and so it's really, I don't think it's a surprise that that's happening. I think you have Apple that's looking to buy interesting content to be able to show that it's a real player. Um, according to our surveys, uh, about 15% of consumers subscribe to Apple TV plus. Uh, so they're looking for a way to be able to drive that and they've spent a lot of money on content. This would be much more for that, but to be able to put the Apple name with the Apple brand with the NFL brand, that's really strong. Uh, and so I think that they're really looking at that as an opportunity. And I think Amazon and Google are the same. I think that there are challenges they'll have to figure out, like, what do they charge? I know that the 
contract rights, the way that the rights come out, there are certain requirements on what they charge, how they charge. So uh, I'm not sure how that will end up working out for NFL Sunday ticket. But I do see this this ongoing issue related to streaming services want to weigh in. And that can really upset so many things in the broadcast space. We've been talking, I'm a college football fan, and there's been a lot of talk about ESPN and Fox. Well, what happens if Amazon decides to weigh in and and buy college football rights or Google or others? They can write really big checks. And I think for them to be able to lock down something for five years that's that's not a problem. That's that could be within their long term planning. So right. where does that go? And we're also not talking about today. We're talking about like in five years when the rights come up for certain college football leagues. But it's not right. just that. There are a lot of areas around that where I think streaming really can can play an interesting role in how that evolves. Yeah, it just feels like at this point the you know the kind of the genies out of the bottles, so to speak, with respect to sports rights. It's just. Um, it, you know, again, these deals are just kind of building on each other. Then you start to get these, uh, you know, kind of tentpole rights, you know, in the, in the sports world. And then, you know, you're, you're past the, the tipping point on, uh, you know, the future of distribution on live sports, uh, you know, just like it is with the entertainment side. So interesting to see how it evolves. And, um, again, the NFL Sunday ticket piece, well, I guess we'll see where it goes, but, um, uh, just a few hours before we were getting together to talk, uh, the details came out on uh, NFL Plus, which is the new streaming subscription service from the NFL. Uh, you know, kind of a step further into the world of direct to consumer for them. Um, yeah, I'm, for people who didn't, you know, hopefully by the time they, they see this or listen to us, they, they know, but you know, they've got the $4.99 per month starting with local primetime games on smartphones and tablets. So kind of a limitation there. And then live market preseason games across all devices, which, you know, big whoop. It's, I mean, unless you're the massive, massive, like I don't give a hoot about uh, preseason, uh, you know, if the Bengals are doing a preseason, but anyway, that's me. Um, also live game audio access to the NFL um, on demand library, and that's going to be ad free. And then the, uh, the NFL premium, uh, you get all the NFL Plus basic, uh, the basic NFL Plus stuff, if that sounds uh, right. Um, and then uh, full game, re- uh, I guess, across all devices, uh, the condensed game replays, uh, the coaches film service, $9.99 a year. It feels a little bit like uh, kind of the old Game Pass service to a uh, degree. But um, anyway, it, it feels like, uh, you know, a step toward you know, like what we know NFL Sunday ticket to be in terms of uh, out of market stuff, but really kind of a few notches below that. So um, anyway, that was a long winded thing to get into your <laughs> thoughts, you know, and why you think it's important to that, you know, that, you know, what does it mean? Uh, you know, it's kind of a mile marker, you know, into the streaming world here and sports or what well, we're talking about. Yeah, I think that the NFL, they've been looking for a way to go direct to consumer. Their challenge is they sell almost all of their live content. So the only things that mm-hmm. they have left is scraps, replays, 
or broadcasts of something that someone else is already broadcasting. And that's really kind of what they put together here is local games, those are going to be broadcast. National primetime games, those are going to be broadcast. So it's really a, a, another broadcast, which they kind of have through the NFL channel. So essentially they're just taking the NFL channel and putting it on a paid streaming service to be able to do some of that. Uh, they do have live audio for all of the NFL games. So if you don't like the broadcaster on your television, you can go in and get your broadcast your broadcaster or the other team's broadcaster or a neutral national broadcaster. So you have that, – that's kind of interesting, particularly if you think it's think the broadcasting is biased, and I think a lot of fans end up feeling that. So whether they are or not is an entirely different question, but I think a lot of fans are just super fans. Um, and this is really for super fans. It's for uh, – when you're starting to talk about shoulder programming for the NFL or coaches breaking down film – uh, or replays, you're right. That's that's just that is for the super fan, and that's really what the NFL is doing. They're they're going out, they're planting a flag and saying, "Hey, we need a service so that if all of the subscription of all everything else goes wrong, we need a place to be able to send customers." And so they're they're trying to essentially establish a foothold uh, to be able to in the streaming world, and I think that's what this this does. Okay, yeah, and it's interesting. They do have a couple of different options uh you know different price points uh and then down the line we'll see if they do like an ad supported version <laughs> for some of this stuff oh who yeah knows? well who knows Lord knows they've got lots of sponsors yeah. so uh, i'm yeah. sure and who knows that that may be part of it maybe the right. maybe they do i could totally see this going to 2.99 at 2.99 i'd i'd pay 2.99 a month to be able to have have that now the question is will i pay double that or will I pay four times that? So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I was kind of looking at it. It's like, okay, I do like football. I just, you know, it's like I've already got so many other uh, subscriptions. <laughs> and, you know, it's like I, I do uh, between NFL Red Zone on Sunday and, and, and all the other nights of the week where they have like a live game. I was like, gosh, I don't know if I can uh, give more of my time to the NFL. But, yeah, there's definitely some people who, you know, live and breathe this stuff. So uh, we'll have to see Yeah, I mean, goes. we all yeah. – we all have – it's what's the must-have. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, what is the must-have? After the must-have, you start to have the want-to-haves, maybe content that you like or you'll make time for. Something like this, it's in a particular season of the year, so you don't do it all the time, um, which honestly is kind of perfect for a streaming customer uh, because you take it and then you it kind of auto-cancels at the end of the season. I don't know if it does, but for example, yeah. if you look, it says that it's – $79 for the year or something, right. uh, $9.99 a month, but $79 for a year. So that tells me it's the season really is when that's going on. Right. Good. And then, you know, the, the last thing I want to talk about, you know, kind of now that we've talked about the end, what's going on, on the entertainment side, on the sports side, um, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit further about the, uh, the pay TV implications, right? Like we don't know yet if the NFL is going to be like, Hey, you know, maybe we can distribute, this stuff, you know, partnership with cable operators or so forth, or the telcos that have a pay TV service. But, um, you know, we didn't even get into like the Apple TV deal with like major league soccer and, and uh, mm. the, you know, we did talk about Amazon and, and football a little bit, but, um, you know, kind of when you look at all the tectonic change go is going on, I mean, what does the future of pay TV look to you? You know, is there, 
Uh, I mean, every quarter, yeah, it's eroding. I mean, is there a floor on the subscriber side or, you know, is it just about like moments of chaos here before we have like a great rebundling, you know, that kind of resets the world order on pay TV. Yeah. Before we escape the the Apple reference, because I've got to say something about that. So okay. Apple, the one thing I'd say about uh, about Apple buying MLS rights is they bought those away from ESPN. MLS rights are on ESPN Plus right now. So that there is an example of where a service streaming service comes in and has bought it away from a traditional player. And I think that's hasn't gotten a lot of press, a lot of play really about that. But in terms of importance, the fact that a, that they've come and, and beaten out uh, a traditional player for those rights, and now those rights are shifting from one streaming service to another, I think is, is relatively important and just hasn't gotten a lot of play. Um, but on pay TV overall, um, I think that we're, we've seen this tipping point coming for a while where tipping towards streaming, but we're, we're actually moving to um, a, kind of another area, another type of, of tipping point in this. And that is uh, at a certain point, viewership on pay TV falls to the point to where now ad, they start to have an advertising problem to where can they attract enough advertisers and revenues? That's how pay TV was really built, particularly in cable broadcasting is they could bring, they brought a lot of eyeballs in and that really helped offset subscriber numbers, subscriber revenues for a while. So what happens whenever those, if we're talking about, um, pay TV and you ask, is there a floor? Uh, I think that there's not a floor. And the reason I think that is that I think the economics of pay TV before you would ever get to a subscriber floor, I think they fundamentally have to change pay TV to make the economics work. Um, so I think that will drive the change before you would ever reach kind of a bottom staying level, because I think that bottom level is low enough that they would have to change things for advertisers that have to change kind of what the content is in the service. Otherwise it gets so expensive that uh, consumers just can't pay for it. So right. I think that the, the pay TV market is, uh, and then you even have the cable networks with all of their own streaming services. So I think fundamentally um, we're really looking at a, a pretty significant shift in how pay TV works uh, in the next, uh, next few years just to make the economics work out. Yeah, if I'm a, uh, let's say I'm a traditional pay TV player in the uh, cable telco satellite space, then what am I going to need to do to stay relevant here, you know, and, and ensure that the scale of my business doesn't suffer? I mean, is it um, like, well, I guess uh, we have to start looking at Disney Plus and, and you know, to a degree, this is already kind of happening, but, you know, they're, they're kind of, a uh, bunch of premium channels, uh, you know, kind of packaged in there. But at some point, uh, you know, even the, the price on that, you're back to the problem with pay TV in general anyway on, on the high price. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure what mm -hmm. the answer is going to be. But, yeah, it just feels like the, the pay TV bundle is, is uh, you know, if there's a rebundle, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll look different. I, I think there'll be some new stuff. But, you know, there's going to be some stuff that just is going to have to go away. It's just not going to survive. 
Well, I think that what uh, you mentioned bundle, the interesting thing about bundles right now, a lot of what we're having is collections. They're not really bundles because the idea of a bundle is the price is lower. There's a discount because you put all this stuff Mm -hmm. together. So what we're having really is more of kind of collection or aggregation, less of a bundle. And if you talk to operators about, well, why don't they bundle streaming services today? Well, the answer is, well, who's going to take the hit? Who's going to take that? Reduction in revenue is the pay TV provider going to take less money? Uh, how is the split of revenues going to work with the streaming service? Um, and traditionally, the the operators have said, "Look, I, the bounty may not be enough. Bounty on a new subscriber with a streaming service may not be enough for it to be worth our while. So, what extra are we going to get? And we're not going to." take less to be able uh, then, like we're not going to eat into our bounty to be able to sell something. And that's what a bundle would be. So yeah. the question is, who's going to take, who's going to take the hit? Now, what I think is interesting is it's possible, I think, that um, the streaming services end up in a position where they're willing to take less. And that's really because of competition. So now when it was Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and everybody else, far distant. Uh, that was one thing. And the streaming services, were they dominated. They weren't going to take less because the competition wasn't there. But now you've got Netflix with, uh, with HBO Max and Hulu and Disney Plus and Paramount Plus and Discovery Plus, all of these other services. And there are going to be winners and losers, just like as you, you look at the Nielsen ratings now. You have some channels that have greater penetration than others, well, at a certain point, a number of these streaming services are going to cap out in terms of how much growth they can hit. And when that happens, what do you do? And I think it's possible that they'll go to the operators and say, hey, mm-hmm. you've got a customer base of broadband customers. We'll take a little bit less uh, in order to give a discount to be able to have a bundle, to be able to eat into that lead that the bigger players have. So yeah. I think that's a possibility. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to kind of see that dynamic because I think originally if you're the streaming service doing direct to consumer, it's like, wow, this is ideal. I get all the money. I get all the data. But yeah, to your point, uh, growth can't go on forever. I mean, we've seen that with Netflix already. Uh, uh, but um, uh, but at the same time, once you get to that point, you, you do start to look at the distribution angle there and they're and go, oh, well, there is value there too. But yeah, how do you, how do you work the economics? And that's, you know, that's a, uh, a discussion, a debate and a, um, uh, a negotiation, <laughs> you know, that's going to have to yeah. happen. Yep. Well, so, that growth curve, it's that growth curve works the same for every type of product out there and it'll work the same for streaming in the long term. The question becomes, yeah. how do you reinvent yourself? How do you reinvent your service, your offering to be able to start a new growth curve? to where now you're able to take that and have that accelerate over time. And okay. I think it's, that's far enough in the future. We're not sure what that is probably hasn't even been invented yet, but uh, there's, there's something that will disrupt the disruptors eventually. Okay. Yeah. That's almost like guaranteed. It feels like, well, good. Well, I mean, we're going to keep an eye on it, Brett. Well, yeah, we'll continue to uh, uh, have that dialogue with you and, and keep tabs, but uh, I think that's where we're going to leave it today. But uh, Brett, thanks for joining me here today on the Light Reading Podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Oh, it was great fun. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. All right.